Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, did Superman ever put glasses on Lois Lane's dog? And she was like, I've never seen this dog before. Is this a new dog? Where did this dog come from? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me start by introducing my guests. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather wondered this week when an appropriate age would be to tell a highway it's adopted. Welcome to the show, Heather. (laughs) Hello. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim's neighbour holds the world record for the number of concussions. He only lives a stone's throw away, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, Kim. I love that. And finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also our producer and sound mixer. Greg told Kim she was drawing her eyebrows too high. She looked surprised. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Greg. Hello. I love this show. Have I mentioned this? Mm-hmm. I love this show. Series two, 
episode 54. 54 is the number of milligrams of caffeine in a 12-ounce Mountain Dew. Yay! <laughs> and it's the sole reason this show is utter madness. The dialing code of 54 will put you through to Argentina. Argentinians always look up at the sky and smile when it's lightning because they think God is taking their picture. I personally like making love during lightning storms and then pretending I'm conceiving the Antichrist. (laughs) There are 54 coloured squares on a Rubik's Cube. Of course, the more you play with it, the harder it gets. 54 (laughs) represents the number of countries in Africa and it's the number of playing cards in a deck if you include both the Jokers. So why do African elephants not play cards? Why? There are just too many cheaters. The old ones are the best. (laughs) Now, every week, I love reading out the mailbag, all your fabulous messages from around the world. I'm going to start here. Now, I did promise last week that I would wish a happy birthday to a lady called Holly. She's in Ontario. So happy birthday, Holly. She's in Canada. She's just turned 80 and loves all things ghostly, scary and zombie related and apparently she likes cursing at them when she plays video games i know right i want to meet this lady i want this lady on the show this is a joy happy birthday holly happy 80th birthday mary posted on facebook this week that she can't believe she has been pronouncing the word squirrel wrong all of these years she also says she loves the show we are a public service of course and this is the way that you pronounce the word squirrel Patrick, who is very active on our wall, says exquisitely. I like the fact that our listeners know words like exquisitely. This is the caliber. This is the standard of listeners and followers that you have on this show. You see where we are? He says exquisitely funny show. Who would have thought one could laugh so hard from a radio show in the technological age we now live in? I know. I'm as surprised as anyone. Who knew? (laughs) Ben in Canada has posted absolutely is the funniest one-hour weekly radio show or podcast. Do not miss this. Unfortunately, our shows are normally about an hour and 25 minutes long. (laughs) I'm sorry about the other 25 minutes. It just wasn't up to standard, was it? Martin in New York has said he listened to the archives on SoundCloud and it made him laugh out loud. He said, thanks, Adrian, Heather, Kim and Greg for the abundance of merriment and laughter. So if you wish to have your name read out live on air, I love reading your messages. I will read them out live on air and thank you for following and supporting more questions and answers why not actually share that with your friends on facebook every time we have a show come out it would be fabulous if you could share that on your wall i would really appreciate that easter just around the corner mm-hmm. easter sunday couple of days away it's friday now easter sunday I'm going to ask you some questions. There's points to be won straight off the bat. I know how much you love these little quizzes we do. I know you're all looking at me and thinking to yourself, wow, I love these little quizzes Adrian does. It's the mm, highlight of my love week. Love them. Looking for numbers here. <laughs> what percentage of Americans, and no looking at my notes, Heather, because I know your what? beady little eye scans my notes, and there was a, an abundance of cheating the last time we did this. You got three or four on the trot. and uh, All guesswork. Apparently. What percentage of Americans think the ears of a chocolate bunny should be eaten first? This is the show that's really, really getting to the detail, really getting to the things that matter in the world of the paranormal and strange. This is a cutting edge show. 54. 54. 
Kim, what are we going to go for there? We're going to go with everybody. 100%. Everyone, 100% of people start with the years. Do you start with the years, Greg? 69%. 69%. (laughs) Greg's actually won. (laughs) It is 76%. Now, I have a little bit of information regarding bunny ears, the the hollow bunnies. Hollow bunnies. Yes. If you eat the ears, I saw this on Facebook. I did too. You can actually put alcohol inside the hollow bunny. And so you have a little glass bunny body. Like a shot glass. Yes, absolutely. Sounds fantastic. It's a must Can't try. Wait. Something yeah. that goes well with chocolate, I'm guessing. Yeah, something like uh, maybe rum chata. Mm. So this is, is the is standard. Is that what you put in your kid's Easter basket? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I tell yeah. you what, they're quiet for the rest of the afternoon, aren't they? It takes the edge off Easter Sunday. You don't hear a peep out of them for the next a three peep. days. Get it? A peep. We're here all week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you see the standard of where we are. That I... The first thing Heather introduces to the show is how to drink alcohol out of a chocolate bunny. Greg is on one point for getting the closest to 70. You're still going. You I'm going to interject points. with okay. the whole peep thing. When you used to do your old radio show and it lasted two hours of just you talking. Hang on a second. Always... Hang on. Let me... Are you saying that in a negative way? Let me just, let me, let me just clarify. I'm not saying I like talking or I talk a lot, but I did a two-hour radio show on my own, in a room on my own, and it still didn't seem like long enough. I still ran out of time. Well, you had us harvest peeps for you just to keep you going through the two hours. Yes. It was hilarious. Your sugar buzz was amazing. It did get me through that particular show. I've never seen peeps before. They don't exist in Britain. So this was new to me. I didn't realise... The extent of how sugar and colouring could affect people. It was remarkable. It was crazy. I got through a two-hour show on my own, in a room, all like on my own. stories. I know. Unbelievable. There's that... a YouTube out there where you can uh, YouTube a peep show. Ah. Oh. And it's the little peep and they're pole dancing and everything. And there's That's money being good. thrown. By the way, <laughs> Kim's not advocating that you go onto a Google search engine and type in the word peep, peep show. show. <laughs> Just saying. This is going to be a long show if we're going to get through these. <laughs> I've gone beyond caring. What percentage of Easter candy ball is chocolate? Percentage of candy ball, what is it? Chocolate. What percentage? 75. 75. 12. 12%, only 12% of all candy bought in Easter is chocolate. Yep. Okay. 69. What did you go for, Heather? 75. <laughs> Greg's won again. <laughs> it's 70. He's never scored two points in the history of the game. Remarkable. I find it remarkable. Okay. Eggs, of course, do represent the rebirth. This is the reason they have eggs at Easter. It's fertility. It's rebirth. It's to do with life. And obviously that's combined with spring. So I wouldn't like to think you're walking away with from this show with, with less than you came with. This is informative. <laughs> okay. Children were asked what their favourite colour of jelly bean was. What did they answer? What was the most? You can't say 69 now, Greg, can you? You're going to have to commit to saying a colour. Red. Green. Yellow. It's red. Yay! Heather's scored a point. <laughs> the most common or most favourite colour, most favourite, the best colour of jelly beans for kids apparently is red. The world's largest jar of jelly beans weighed how many thousands of pounds? The world's largest jar of jelly beans. One ton. How many thousand? That's 2,000 pounds. Yes. Okay. 2,500. 
2,500. Greg's on fire. (laughs) He's cheating. He's seen my notes. It's actually 6,050, but he is, in fact, the closest. The heady heights. You could have said 6,900. You'd have still won. (laughs) I can't believe Greg has reached the heady heights of three points. He's got a nosebleed. He's got a tissue with him at the moment. That's remarkable. Unbelievable. 16 billion jelly beans are sold solely for Easter, and that would take up a hollow nine-storey office building. And finally, did you know the pilgrims actually despised Easter celebrations due to its pagan roots and a lack of scriptural basis so you could actually receive a five shilling fine back in the day for actually celebrating easter if you were one of the pilgrims so no jelly beans for the pilgrim fathers it makes me very sad you can access our facebook at any time to see tonight's stories we're on facebook more questions than answers with adrian lee i'd love for you to join us on there we have five thousand followers we have a youtube channel more questions and answers with adrian lee there's some very funny outtakes on there if you're interested in those we have a twitter account adrian underscore lee underscore tips that's t-i-p-s for the international paranormal society we have 78 thousand followers on there and if you wish to access our archives they're on many many platforms but we go to soundcloud.com if you typed in mq ta radio all of our archives for the last three years are on there and we do an extra 20 to 25 minutes at the end of the show in a round called not for your mother that is included in those archives and just to remind you i have a book out at the moment called how to be a Christian psychic, what the Bible says about mediums, healers, and paranormal investigators, and that is available on Amazon and many other outlets. We have a show. Greg is three points into the lead. Heather's on one. Kim and myself are yet to score, but it's all to play for as we go into the round called Ghosts and Hauntings. Ghosts of Sir Winston Churchill photographs stalking man on the London Underground. If you ever feel like you're being watched or get a cold shiver down your spine, you might sense that a spirit is close by, but most people would bet on it not being in the company of a former prime minister. A 23-year-old coach driver believes he has captured the ghosts of none other than Sir Winston Churchill, frequenting a platform on the London Underground during a stay in the capital. Craig Cooper was travelling back to his hotel when he found himself alone in Queensway Station at around midnight. But as he sat waiting for the train, he began to feel the presence looming over him. I've been to Queensway Station many times. It's in West London, opposite Hyde Park, near Bayswater, if that helps people. Not really. It's on the central line. (laughs) I'm just wondering why Sir Winston Churchill is hanging out at Queensway Station. There's a, there's a big ice skating rink there. It's, it's probably Britain only has three ice skating rinks, I'm sure of that, and one of them's in Queensway. In fact, I actually saw Bob Geldof and his kids ice skating at Queensway. Lord of once. the Rings? No, not Bob Geldof from Lord <laughs> of the Rings. You're getting confused. You're getting confused with Gandalf, the guy that founded Live Aid and was the lead singer of the Boomtown Rats. Tell me why I don't like Hobgoblins, I think was his biggest hit. Why am I here? It says he stood up and he felt someone was standing behind him. So he stood with his back to the platform until the tube train arrived. Luckily, Craig had happened to take a photograph of the platform when he arrived. So he could send it to his girlfriend who had never been on the underground system. It is, in fact, illegal 
to take a photograph on the London Underground. Really? Yeah. If you take photographs on the London Underground, you can actually be arrested primarily for terrorist reasons. They don't want people to get data and information for terrorist reasons. But also if a flash goes off on a camera, it can distract the driver who's trying to pull the train into the station. Hmm. So there's many reasons for that. He said when he sent it to her, he said, what can you see? And she said the figure of a bald man standing in the centre of the shot. Churchill utilised the disused Downstreet tube station as a bunker during the Second World War, which is on the other side of Hyde Park. However, there were sightings and alleged haunting manifestations of him at Queensway Station during the 1980s. Craig, who captured the image last summer, said, I was very unnerved. It had been seen while I was down there, and I could have run straight back up the steps very quickly, but I'm a believer in this stuff. And I believe everything that I see. Since then, I've heard stories that people have seen the ghost of William Churchill down there. William Churchill. Who's William Churchill? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just. Is that his brother? That was his less successful brother. You know, old Bill. Oh, Bill. Why can't you be more like your brother? Oh, oh, William. William Churchill's running a second-hand car lot while his brother's the Prime Minister of yeah. Britain. Why can't you be... I'm going to go Jewish now. Why can't you be more like your brother? Isn't that Italian? Yeah, that's Pakistani more than yeah. anything. Okay. <laughs> the guy who's written this article has put down William Churchill. That's, that's right. That's... I think his girlfriend had... One too many bunnies is what I'm thinking. This is this is also treasonous. I mean, how can you get Winston Churchill's name wrong? This is like saying, <laughs> you know, Algernon. <laughs> oh, what? Algernon what? <laughs> Something about algae. <laughs> Lincoln, Algernon Lincoln. You must know Algernon Lincoln, surely. Old Al. Old Al. <laughs> wow. And then there's that Greg Washington. He's on all the other money, you know? I know the guy. Unbelievable. He says, quite a few mediums I've shown the picture to, and they've said the same thing. They said it could be a reflection, but the majority have said they think it is genuine. If you wish to see a photograph of William Churchill standing on a tube station <laughs> in Queensway, for some reason, I've no idea why he would be there. You are more than welcome to do so. And you can comment if you go to our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers, with Adrian Lee. I shall give myself a nice round two points. Heather, start the round off for me now. For you in the round. For of... me, for me, for you. <laughs> no, you're starting. <laughs> two for me, one for you. That's right. I've had too many bunnies. I'm sorry. What can I say? Ghost hunters rescued from Dairy Haunted House. And that's D-E-R-R-Y, not D-A-I-R-Y. Dairy. Yes. Okay. Dairy. As in Ireland. Dairy. As in Iowa. Kind of I don't know. Dairy. <laughs> <sighs> Two ghost hunters had to be rescued after becoming trapped in Derry's best-known haunted house. It seems two very interested ghost hunters had no concerns for their own public safety. The historic building has been vacant for decades and has fallen into such a state of disrepair that the building in the area has been sectioned off for a number of years because of fears that it would collapse. There were severe enough issues with the old abandoned building that nobody should have been there, let alone at night. The emergency call came in about two folks needing emergency rescue from the old building, and a fire crew was called to the scene to help the two men to safety. They were fire crew? How did they get trapped? Did they just get lost? I think they fell into a wall or something. I don't remember. I have been 
I was going to say, okay. I have been to various buildings. I went to the Schmidt Brewery and investigated there once, and it's a fabulous building that looks like a cross between Gotham City and Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. And I swear, if our guide would have left us, we would never have got out again. <laughs> it like, was No, I, I thought he was exaggerating. When we first went in there, he said, don't lose me, you'll never get out again. And I thought, <laughs> oh, yeah, right, whatever. Anyway, after about 20 minutes of all these winding passages, I'm dropping bread on the floor, so if I can get out again, like Hansel and Gretel. And then the rats steal it, and then you're lost i was completely lost i ended up coming across a witch with a house made out of candy who knew one fire appliance from the northland fire station was deployed to the scene of two men requiring rescue assistance from the property in the area i just don't understand how they got trapped firefighters were able to rescue the two men using keys provided by the property's key holder both men were uninsured, so they didn't get hurt. The thing is, they're making it bad for everybody else, because if I now wanted to go into this building and do a proper professional paranormal yep. investigation, the owners are going to say no, because these two idiots have gone in there and ruined it, it for It took everyone. an hour to get them out. An so hour. I have no idea where they were at. <laughs> they must have fallen through a hole into I, the basement maybe, or something. Yep, yep. It is understood the two men told the rescuers they were interested in ghosts, and that's why they were within the halls of Boom Hall. Fantastic. I should give you points. You're now moved up to three. I have a story that says a British man thrown in jail after police mistake friends' ashes for the drug ketamine. Bungling Canadian border police threw a British man in jail for six days after they mistook his friend's ashes for horse tranquilizer drug <laughs> ketamine. <laughs> Russell Late was on his way to Halifax in Nova Scotia from Heathrow when his flight was diverted to St John's Airport in Newfoundland. The 41-year-old had been due to meet a friend in Canada to scatter the ashes of his pal Simon Darby, who died of cancer in December. When he arrived in Newfoundland, staff searched Russell's bag and discovered the small container holding the remains. Border agents demanded they be tested for illegal substances, and it was claimed ketamine, a Class B drug, was then found. Russell was immediately placed in prison pending an investigation. He said, I was very, very unhappy about it. Mm. That's an understatement. <laughs> I heard there were lots of people crying over it, lots of people upset about it. I was treated like a criminal and all privileges were taken away. It was just a shock, to be honest, being treated a bit like a dog as a criminal looking down upon. Civil liberties were taken away. Well, Canada does have a bad human rights record, of course, what with its history of torture and abuses. It was only after a second more thorough test in Ottawa was carried out. It was determined the ashes did not contain ketamine or any other drug and Russell was released. He was freed when all charges were withdrawn. But so far, authorities have failed to hand Simon Ashes back to him. Russell of Stourport on Seven in Worcestershire explained Simon had spent a lot of time in Canada before he died. One of his dying wishes was that some of his ashes be spread by his friends here in Halifax. Russell admits he didn't fill out the proper paperwork and hopes others don't find themselves in a similar situation. There's a lesson there for everybody, isn't there? Mm. Fill out the proper paperwork. People really need to check on the human remains articles and what you need to cover yourself with because this is one of the worst things that could have happened, he said. Reflecting on his time in jail, Russell said his friend would have laughed at the situation. A spokesman for the Royal Newfoundland Constabulary confirmed it was not in possession of Derby's ashes, but the Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit Newfoundland and Labrador was... 
Can you imagine their nameplate? This organisation, imagine you're there at the desk, you're there to help and serve the public, you've got your name, Clive, written on your badge. Written above that, it says the Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit, Newfoundland and Labrador. That's going off to the left, isn't it? You're having a name badge that now penetrates the person next to you. Every time you swing around, you're going to hit someone with your name badge. You've got the word (laughs) Clive written on it and all that above it, poking out into the distance at right angles. The ashes are due to be returned to the Canadian border services and then they will be given back to Russell. I once had a friend that was travelling between France and Spain in the car, and this is a true story, and he also had ashes with him from a person that had died, a friend of his. And the Border Patrol asked him what was there, and he said, ashes. And because they spoke Spanish, they thought he said hashish, and he was arrested as well until they found out there was a miscommunication. I just thought I'd share that with you. Mm. And today I did a reading. I did a psychic reading for a lady today who wanted her husband to come through. So I did a reading for a lady today. And he was a hunter. We live in the Midwest. We live in Minnesota. There's lots of hunters around. What they did was took his ashes and they put it into gun cartridges. So when they went hunting, they were firing with the pellets in the cartridges. His ashes were in there as well. I thought that was remarkable. I had never thought of such a thing. Who knew? I shall give myself points. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? A ghost coin found in a Portuguese shipwreck. An extremely rare and unusual coin has been discovered in the 16th century wreckage of the Esmeralda. In a real-life case of sunken treasure, divers exploring the wreck of a ship that sunk over 500 years ago have uncovered a silver coin so rare that it has been assigned legendary status. The ship, which was discovered off the coast of al Halaranaya, Perfect. Oh, you get points for that alone. You could be making this stuff up. I'd have no idea. It is an island in Oman's Dofar region and was commanded by Vicente Sadre. I was about to uncle. say that. He's uncle. Really? Okay. No, He's... not really. No, I made that up. There's no fact in that at all. Well, he is the uncle of the, ex- of the explorer Vasco da Gama. I when know it that sunk gentleman. In 1503. There you go. Divers exploring the wreckage have so far found over 2,800 artifacts, including gold coins, a bronze bell, and a copper alloy disc stamped with the royal coat of arms of Portugal's Dom Manuel I. You're getting through them tonight, aren't you? I'm impressed, Kim. (laughs) The mysterious silver coin, which has been referred to as a ghost coin due to its extreme rarity, is one of only two known coins commissioned by the king for conducting trade with India. The other, which was previously the only one thought to exist, is known as the lost coin of Dom Manuel. So if you see a coin in a shipwreck, that's going to be worth a lot of money, I'm guessing. I wonder what that'll go for. We'll keep an eye on that, and we'll see what that goes for. Whilst we're keeping an eye on stories, I do want to say that in last week's episode, we mentioned a story where there was a gentleman who had his twig and berries removed in a car accident when he was a small boy, and he's now in his 40s. And I'm aware which part of the show what we were discussing this in. But he had a bionic part attached to him. Well, I read this week that apparently he's now practiced the physical arts for the first time in his life with a member of the opposite sex. So I just want to say that. I just see he achieved what he wanted to do. And I can hear the man in the background with the bionic music going... Faster, stronger, bigger, longer, fatter. You're having a stroke again? Yes, I'm just feeding mm. that in the, the left side of my face. <laughs> but that was just very interesting. I thought I'd come back and tell our listeners that are hanging on our every story that that particular mm. gentleman has now 
pushed beyond the threshold. <laughs> he's achieved everything he wanted to achieve. He's gained the holy grail. I just thought I'd share that with you. He is now knowledgeable in the carnal arts is where we're going. He's grasped the brass ring. That's right. He's grabbed the horn <laughs> by the balls. We are going into the round that is UFOs. It's green men and hairy beasties. I'm going to start proceedings off with a UFO story. A lot of UFO stories this week. You wait all week for a UFO story and three come along. Remarkable. UFO experts say they were stopped in their tracks with this footage of what appears to be a T-shaped aircraft that has the power to become invisible in seconds. The footage shot in the city of Medford in Middlesex County, Massachusetts, was uploaded to YouTube this week and has sparked intrigue. After shooting the footage close to the Mystic River, the unnamed man immediately sent his film to secure a team who have analysed every aspect of it. The narrator says this video was captured by a man in Medford. These objects have been appearing for quite some time. Right when the UFO first appears, it's a cloudy day. After he saw this object, he pulled into his driveway and he didn't know what it was and it was coming in and out of the cloud cover. It looked like a balloon at first, he says. What he catches is nothing short of amazing. This is not a balloon. This is not a government craft. I have never seen a T-shaped government craft before. I have never heard one or spoken about one as a black project craft. And believe me, you can guarantee that me and my friends would be the first to hear about such a thing because we're in touch with the military and former military personnel all of the time and they leak us information. The source of this footage has been corresponding with us for the past three or four weeks about the crafts he's seen, but he's never been able to get one on film before. They appear and disappear so quickly, he has never been able to get us a good piece of footage. He has been seeing these objects for the past two months. Of course, the Air Force denies any involvement, and finally he has been able to capture this image. These T-shaped crafts are in the form of L's, How's that even? How's a T-shaped oh. craft in the form of an L? Obviously, working <laughs> to another alphabet. I wasn't previously aware of. <laughs> and he also told us that he is seeing these things at night. Another thing that leads us to believe that this isn't a government craft is that it doesn't have any lights on it. He said the only way he has seen them at night is basically when it is dusk, and then he barely has enough light to capture them and to see them just as a faint outline. Once it is completely pitch black, it is impossible to see them. Of course, UFOs do not need aviation lights. If you wish to see <laughs> this particular image of a T-shaped UFO that's also an L, apparently, you need to go to our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers, Terrible. with Adrian Lee. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Something exciting. Wow. Who knew? Can they I, take it, I hear? Sit down, get yourself a nice cup of tea and relax. This is going to be exciting. I've got Cat Dracula. Cat Dracula? Cat Dracula. The fanged feline no one wants because he looks like a vampire. Mm. That would be the prime requisite of getting a cat. And he's all black, too. If I saw a cat <laughs> that looked like Dracula, I'd want that cat. I know. I love him. I, I saw a picture. I saw a polydactyl cat once that had like 10 toes on each paw. It had shovels on the end of each paw. Huge feet. Would have been fabulous swimmer. I wanted to take that cat home. <laughs> How often do you see a cat with 40 toes? I know. Can you imagine that climbing a tree? 
It'd be, be like great. lightning. <laughs> a rescue cat is struggling to find a home because he's a bit long in the tooth. But he's not old. He just looks like a vampire. A pair of extra long fangs that hang out of his mouth has given Rory the cat an unfortunate resemblance to Count Dracula. Rory. Rory. I'm liking Rory the cat. I want to take <laughs> Rory the cat home. The four-year-old cat was dumped at Battersea Cat and Dog's home earlier this month by owners who had bought him online just two weeks before. Vets discovered that Rory needed major surgery on his jaw because his teeth were stopping him from closing his mouth properly. But despite removing several of his back teeth, vets had to leave Rory's vampire fangs in place to help him eat, leaving him looking like a creature of the night. Lindsay Quinlan, Battersea's head of cattery, never knew there was a head of cattery. <laughs> I, I, I have been there. I've actually got a cat. I had a cat called Mr. Jones back in the day, and I got him from Battersea Dog and Cat's Home. Did you really? I have been there, and I have got a cat from that place. Did you know there was a head of cattery? I don't recall meeting the woman, but if I go back, I will shake her warmly by the hand. She said, lovely Rory has had an unsettled start in life, but now with his teeth and positive attitude, he will make a perfect pet for the right owners. And perfect. this comes just in time for... Uh, Easter. No. For... I think it is... Well, National Cat Day? What are we going with here? Give me something to work with. I'll give it to you later. It's coming up in a later story. Oh, you don't want to give things mm, away. I'm hinting. I'm You're hinting. hinting that there may be something coming up. There is something coming the, up. Later on. Later on. In the show. In the show. That's going to be related to Rory. Vampires. The vampire cat. Yep. Okay. I'm just wondering whether that falls under cryptozoology or UFOs. That's where I am. It's an animal. I and shall... He's got vampire teeth. Okay, I shall give you. <laughs> that went right down my ear. I swear to God, I'm going to give you points. You're now on five. I have a story that says a man in Scotland has spotted what he believes to be a definite spacecraft hovering in the night sky as he drove home from a friend's house last month. In the video, a series of bright lights are seen flashing before it suddenly goes dark again. And the man who captured the bizarre UFO is convinced it is evidence of an alien life on Earth. John McDonald said it's definitely a spacecraft of some sort. I don't know whether I frightened it or not with a flash of the camera, because in the beat of a heart, it was gone. The lights were caught on camera at approximately 11pm when Mr McDonald was driving home from visiting a friend. John describes how the noise of the apparent spacecraft sounded like a, a spacecraft. A spacecraft. I've never seen I've one heard of those. <laughs> yes, it's Scotland. This is what they have. They have spruce trees and spacecrafts. Is where and we sprites. are. Thank you for pointing that out to all of our listeners, Heather. That's minus two for you. You're back on three. John describes how the noise of the spacecraft sounded like a thousand hoovers. That's a lot of sucking, isn't it, Greg? A thousand hoovers. <laughs> and completely drowned out the sound of his Jeep. The clip has now been uploaded to YouTube, where it has been viewed more than 26,000 <laughs> times. Nice. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? The mystery of the Tully monster has been solved. Was there? I didn't know there was a mystery. Who knew such Ooh. things? This outlandish prehistoric creature had left scientists scratching their heads for over 50 years. Known as the Tully Monster after collector Francis Tully, who originally discovered it, its remains back in 1958, 
This peculiar prehistoric denizen, which lived 307 million years ago in a coastal estuary in what is now northeastern Illinois, has remained notoriously difficult to classify for over five decades. With a long torpedo-shaped body and two eyes set at either end of a horizontal bar attached to its face... That's like a, <laughs> like a hammerhead shark attached to a worm. Yes. Okay. The creature's... I'm just saying, that's what it sounds like. It's got You're a long torpedo... You're getting the start of the picture. You'll have there to you wait are. for the rest of the description. Oh. Uh, the creature's bizarre appearance was unlike anything else known to science. It even had a long trunk-like snout protruding from its head with a teeth-filled claw attached to the end of it. You're making this up. That's that game you play where you fold over a piece of paper and people draw different parts of animals, and at the end you open up all the paper and there's this bizarre-looking animal. Mm -hmm. I don't believe this exists. You're making this up. (laughs) Uh, I would rank the Tully monster just about at the top of the scale of weirdness, said paleontologist Victoria McCoy of Britain's University of Leicester. Leicester? Leicester. Leicestershire. Leicestershire. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm impressed by the fact that she studies bones and her name's Dr. McCoy. Isn't that a joy? I always thought that was very confusing. On Star Trek, you know, you have a right. doctor, so you call him Bones. So what's the dentist going to be called? Choppers. Chopper's teeth. Okay, what about the, gyne- the gynecologist? Okay, no gynecologist <laughs> on Star Trek. You're going to have to wait till we get to a base and then you can have it looked at, apparently. I don't know that if that things exist, I don't know. We're looking into it, apparently. We'll let you do that. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> now, however, over half a century since it was first discovered, researchers have finally been able to determine which family of creatures this bizarre specimen actually belonged to. It's a made-up family of creatures. <laughs> I've always loved detective work, and in paleontology, it doesn't get much better than this, said James Lamsdell of the American Museum of Natural History in New York. Our restudy of the specimens has shown that it is a very strange lamprey, a group of eel-like vertebrates that live in rivers and seas today. They do indeed, and they taste very good, apparently. Jelly deals. I want to see a picture of this. I haven't seen a picture of one of these. I'd like to see that. We need to put that up on our Facebook site. It's got the body of a torpedo. It's got hammerhead-shaped eyes at the front. It's got a trunk, teeth. With teeth. A trunk with teeth and some sort of hand coming out as well, just one big mm-hmm. hand coming out. It tastes like chicken, apparently. I have a story here in the round of UFOs. It says globular clusters, dense balls of ancient stars at the outermost edge of the galaxy. Dense balls, Greg. Or is that barometric pressure? They do actually move around, don't they, with the pressure and the weather? I, think, I don't know. Yeah, you've got your own weather. <laughs> you've got your own weather station. Men have their own weather station. You could look down and see that it's going to be, you know, slightly cloudy with a chance of thundery rain. I thought it, it was just if it was cold and sunny spells. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is our mission for this week. Let's have a look, Greg. We'll see what the weather's doing tomorrow. <laughs> yep, it's looking overcast. For many reasons, the distant regions might be favourable locations for intelligent life. Astrophysicist Dr. De Stefano believes. Globular clusters situated in the halo that extends beyond the Catherine Wheel arm of the Milky Way contain stars estimated to be at least 10 billion years old. Ample time for life to evolve to an advanced level. 
Another is that their stars are so close together it takes just a month or so for light waves to travel between neighbouring stars in one of the clusters. In comparison, the nearest star to the Earth is 4.2 light years away. It would also be easier for a civilization to explore and even set up outposts on other worlds. The sun is only 4.6 billion years old, so if globular cluster civilizations exist, they could be billions of years more advanced than us. So far, only one exoplanet, nicknamed Methuselah, has been discovered in a globular cluster known as M4 in the constellation Scorpius. I love the names they give them. They can't come up with anything more imaginative than M4 for the oldest exoplanet they've managed to find so far. You can't tell me they can't find... Clive! What's wrong with Clive? That's a nice name. Lots of people are called Clive. Very nice people. There's lawyers, doctors and architects called Clive. You can't tell me they couldn't call that Clive. Age 12.7 billion years, Methuselah is the oldest exoplanet on record. Writing in the BBC Sky at Night magazine, Dr De Stefano said it would be strange if there were not many others. Of course, this is all conjecture. We don't know whether there is alien life in these clusters, but it's certainly a possibility. So Harvard scientists believing that the best place to look for alien life is the dense balls of ancient stars in the globular cluster on the outermost edge of our galaxy. Who hmm. knew? We need I to didn't. send probes out there, don't we? You need we? to reread that sentence. Really sexy. Really? Oh, yeah. Do it again. Wow. Okay. I can do that for you. Kim, Greg, would you like to leave the room for one moment? <laughs> <laughs> of course, this is all conjecture. There's globular clusters of dense balls just on the outermost edge of the galaxy. Yay. I don't often <laughs> read UFO stories out in a sexy voice. But if I did, I'd be reading them out about Harvard scientists finding globular clusters. <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me in the round of UFOs and cryptids? Well, I have a fun story. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> it's all about pets and teeth tonight. Yum, there yum. you go. All right. I have a Pennsylvania veterinarian creates braces for a pet goldfish. I didn't, goldfish don't have teeth. <laughs> there's no teeth. There's no teeth on a goldfish. Listen, they, no, what him. country is this? Oh, America. If you feed, <laughs> if you feed a goldfish, you're going to be getting. Yes. Okay. Yes. Explain it to this nice. I'm little listening. Vet. I'm listening. Well, a medical fish breakthrough in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Well, we're living here in Allentown. Has all of social media smiling, Mister Hot Wing. A standard goldfish. Hot wings? Yes, Mr. Hot Wing. Hot wing? Yeah, hot just, wing. Hot wing. You're getting one. You want <laughs> hot wing? Is now sporting what might very well be the first set of fish braces. I have no doubt. It probably is. I would agree with you on the back of the fact. <laughs> I can't help thinking that the floor in his plan, and it is a big floor, I will give him that. I will give him it's a big floor, is the fact that goldfish do not have any teeth. But if they did, I'd be quite happy to look at them if they were crooked. <laughs> I don't look at my goldfish and think that needs to have straight teeth. I know. I can live with a goldfish 
having crooked teeth. No. It is not the be-all and end-all well, his... of my goldfish enjoyment. Here's his symptoms. The picture has gone viral since Lehigh Valley veterinary dermatologist posted a it on the Facebook Lehigh page. Lehigh Valley, wasn't he the guy that shot Kennedy? Oh, no. <laughs> too but, soon, too soon. But Mr. Hotwing is hardly your average goldfish. He's not I'd... normal. He's not normal, apparently. Is it a piranha that's dressed up as a goldfish? Possibly. <laughs> you put your finger in the tank and you get... And you pull it out and there's just a bone where your finger used that's to be. That's where his dentures pop out and then he becomes teeth. a goldfish. <laughs> you thought this through far too badly. I just... His doctor, Brian Palmiro, a.k.a. the fish doctor, tells Action News he was born without a lower jawbone and his mouth couldn't stay open, which made it hard to eat and breathe. He drowned. <laughs> so Dr. Palmero did a lot of research and came up with custom braces that he crafted from a plastic credit card. The whole surgery cost about 150 bucks. How many goldfish could you, you buy, buy for 150 bucks? For 150 bucks. But you can't buy Mr. Hotwing. I could have introduced that goldfish to my cat. And, uh, I was going to say to your frying pan. <laughs> I'm not eating goldfish. I don't want to. Great smoked. <laughs> yes, I just don't want to carp on about it. Oh no! <laughs> I'm not eating a goldfish. I do know that goldfish like exercise, though, because I did take one out of a tank when I was a kid, and it sat there doing sit-ups. So I know it was very interested. Oh God! And I think the cat did take it out somewhere because it disappeared once the cat arrived. So I think the cat took it out to dinner. Mm. This is where we are. Teeth. On a goldfish. You're making this up. No. I'm still wondering whether no. this is UFOs or cryptozoology. It's an animal with teeth. I came have up. teeth. I had three stories this week solely on the themes of UFOs. And what you presented tonight. Was entertaining. Is <laughs> <laughs> the last thing we want to be on a Friday night is entertaining. What's wrong with you? People aren't listening to be entertained. They want UFO stories and cryptozoology. There's not a person sitting at home that's thinking, I want an entertaining show. They want, goldfish. They want facts and details. They want green men and hairy beasties. We're not fulfilling our remit. What's going to happen if we start becoming funny and entertaining? We'll all go to hell in a handbasket. We're going to have to rein this in. At the end of that round, Greg is on three because he cheated at the beginning on the jelly beans. I'm on four. Heather's on three. And Kim is also on three. And we have everything to play for. I had so many UFO and cryptozoological stories mm -hmm. which didn't contain teeth-themed pet animal stories that I'm now going to read out cryptozoology stories in the Strange and Bizarre round. I oh. had so many. I had a plethora. My cup runneth over with cryptozoological stories this week. I have a story that says a mysterious monster human has been spotted swimming in the icy waters off Antarctica in bizarre footage. The giant humanoid appears to have been captured on an underwater camera and looks like it's floating through the ocean. But before viewers can have a proper look, the clip suddenly cuts off. A caption added that the video claims the creature is a ninja, which translates as human in Japanese. <laughs> a human ninja? A, nin what? a ninja. It's, this creature's called a ninja. All right, whatever. You're going to get a ninjury in a minute. This is where we are. <laughs> the ninja is said to be between 60 and 90 feet in length and has been described as a blubbery, whale-like creature whose body vaguely resembles the torso and appendages of a human. 
These beasts have supposedly been seen in the Pacific, Antarctic and Atlantic Oceans and are always described as being extraordinarily large with a whitish complexion, according to Mysterious Universe. But most have been debunked. The ninja theory in this particular clip is claimed to be fake. So you need to see for yourself. Ninjin's a great word, isn't it? Ninjin. Might I add that Ninja. my stories were real and I have real <laughs> pictures <laughs> in focus. Just saying. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, my. Heather's on minus two. I love the word ninja. I'm just going to spend. We have about 13 minutes left. I'm just going to use up that time by saying ninja. 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 Oh, oh, oh my God. I don't need just put that there. Okay, we're going to move on while I go to the hospital. Should my leg be like that below the knee? It's going in a different direction. That's not good. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of the strange and bizarre as I go and find a splint and some bandages? How quickly can a vampire drink your blood? No idea. Five no idea? hours. Uh, well, While you're sleeping. You might, you might be close, uh-huh. actually. There you go. Physics students have calculated just how long it would take for a vampire to drain your body of blood. It might be near the top of the list of unlikely ways to die, but if by some peculiar twist of fate you did end up at the receiving end of Dracula's fangs, how long would you last? I want hmm. to see the cat creeping in. I see the cat. <laughs> the stealthy cat. Stealth cat, just walking on its back legs like Nosferatu with a shadow on the wall, mm-hmm. just sat there waiting. According to physics students from the University of Leicestershire, What's wrong? You can't get it. Worcestershire, the answer is just (laughs) 17.3 minutes. What are we going with? Leicestershire or Worcestershire? Which one are we looking at? Leicester. Leicester. It's Leicester and Leicestershire. I don't understand why Americans have such a problem with this. Because it's not normal. Because you guys don't know how to spell. (laughs) Wow. This is the country of the missing you. You know, I'm spelling words like colour and honour and there's no you in there. No. So I'm thinking, okay, the rules are that after a Q, for example, you, you remove the U. There's no U. So I'm thinking, okay, the rules are the U disappears. We'll get rid of the U. And then I see the word liquor written where you've put the U back again. I yeah. can't discover what, what's going on. Where's and the there's mis- no I in team. No, this is <laughs> true. <laughs> the unorthodox research was published just in time to coincide with the 85th anniversary of the famous 1931 Universal movie Dracula, which starred Bela Lugosi as the titular vampire. Do you want to help with that? That's, that's titular. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Okay. <laughs> I just want to say the word. <laughs> you have too many words you like tonight. That's the problem. <laughs> I also like the word puddle. I like the word assiduity, and I also like the word elbow if we're on the subject. (laughs) Just for all of our male viewers around the world, could you just say the word titular again? Titular. Fabulous. (laughs) Thank you. The students used fluid dynamics to determine how much blood would be lost through a puncture wound in the neck and then worked out from there how long it would take for a person to die. Surely it depends on how hard you're sucking. I would imagine, okay. yes, yes. According to their research, it would take a vampire 6.4 minutes to drain 
0.75 liters, and that's 15% of the person's blood, with the blood loss becoming fatal when the figure reaches around 40%. So 40% blood loss, dead. Done. Done. Yep. What they need to take into account as well is blood pressure. When you first puncture the wound, the blood pressure will be high, so it's going to come at you in spurts in spurts of alacrity isn't it but when your blood pressure starts to drop as you're draining your blood it's not going to be as yeah well, fast is it Do you see yeah, what we're there saying there's many many factors that need to be looked at people have got too much time on their hand i'm also wondering how you said that me saying six hours was actually close to the results of that uh because uh part of it was close to six hours six point Three or something. I threw the story. You've thrown the story. It's gone over your shoulder. Fifteen percent or thirteen. I don't even remember what the heck. You don't. No one cares. Who's bothered? (laughs) Kim, (laughs) look like you're interested and read me a story in the round of the strange and the bizarre. New scans reveal ancient pyramids in Poland. Polish pyramids. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Batman. (laughs) A megalithic site featuring ancient tombs even older than Egypt's pyramids have been found in Poland. (laughs) The ancient stone structures, which are believed to have been built by the funnel beaker culture up to 5,000 years ago, are typically triangular in shape with large stone blocks around the outside. Thought to have been the final resting place of the tribal elders, these megalithic tombs are an important discovery and could be the largest of their kind found anywhere in Europe. Wow. A total of 18 tombs were revealed, many of which having never been identified before, following airborne laser scanning and 3D mapping efforts by researchers from a Polish university. The area near Dalek is undoubtedly the most interesting. We have selected at least a dozen potential megalithic tombs, said Matasuska. Wow. In the course of verification in the field, we have clearly confirmed the presence of 18 Kujawi-type megalithic tombs, a much higher number than previously known from the literature. I didn't know Europe had pyramids. This is news to me. I didn't know such things existed. This is exciting times. I shall give you points. You are now on five. I have a story here that's about a sea monster. Mm -hmm. Cryptozoology. See where we are? Okay. Do you if have a clear picture? I don't have a clear picture. Is it a, true, is it a real story? Well, <laughs> bullying in the workplace. I wouldn't mind, but I'm in charge of point distribution. <laughs> if you're heading down to a Mexican beach for a spring break or a holiday this month, be warned, the blob is back. Am I right in thinking, Kim, that you saw the blob Back in the day, that B-movie from the 1950s with Steve McQueen, and you were scared. I was horribly scared. I had a pillow in front of my face the whole time. Wow. The greyish 13-foot gloop was found in the southwest of Mexico at Bonfield Beach, Acapulco, last week. A video was shared on Facebook and has since been causing speculation on what it could be. Many people believe it could be the rubbery remains of a giant squid, while others are wagering up being the remains of a whale. Oddly, there was no foul odour coming from the mess, suggesting that it was not far into decomposition and it had died relatively recently. Live science chatted to James Mead, a curator of marine mammals at the National Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C., who said it was likely to be the top part of a sperm whale's head. These animals can grow up to 59 feet in length proportionally and have a sizable head. Within the forehead, there is an area called the melon, or occasionally it's also called the junk. 
No. Nope. Which is <laughs> no. Ever got your junk near a melon? <laughs> That'll be edited out. Which is a fatty ball of adipose tissue. Mead explained to Live Science that the video reveals a few characteristics, such as a nasal plug around halfway through the video, which suggests it is indeed a whale's melon. If you want to see a whale's melon, you need to go to our Facebook Aww. site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Heather, you are bringing up the final story of the evening in the round of The Strange and the Bizarre. All right. Cop stop car with a 15-foot tree embedded in it. <laughs> How does that take place? I shall tell you. Police officers couldn't believe their eyes when they spotted the vehicle being driven along the road. So it was being driven at a pretty good clip with the 15-foot tree. Were the police officers? Standing upright. From Special Branch. Oh, I'm just thinking that she was trying no, to hang, hide. No, hang on like, a second. Hang on a second. You got more? Were the police from Special Branch? I got it. Okay. I, <laughs> no, one, <laughs> no one laughed. There was a reason. <laughs> You've never ever been on minus five before. I find this remarkable. What I was thinking is she was trying to use the tree to hide behind. I see. No. So she took the branches with her and the tree and the roots and everything. Oh, it was a full tree standing. A full tree. <laughs> the bizarre incident, which took place in Roselle, Illinois, occurred when the 54-year-old Marianne Christie was spotted driving around town with a 15-foot tree embedded in the front of her car. After being pulled over by the police officer, she stated she was unaware that she collided <laughs> with the tree, but was unable to remember exactly where the collision would have taken place. To be fair. How do you do that? Well, the tree did step out in front of her. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. All the airbags inside her 2004 Lincoln had actually deployed at the time of the smash, so she was driving around with the airbags deployed as well. <laughs> when my mother was learning to drive, she complained to a police officer that a gentleman did step out in front of her, and the police officer said, well, you are in his front room, madam. <laughs> terrible. A sobriety test later revealed that Christy had consumed copious quantities of alcohol. Yet another reason why you should not drink and drive. Was she drinking them from the hollowed out remains of a chocolate Easter bunny? Probably. Fabulous. We enter the final round of the evening that is called Not For Your Mother. It's the round that we can't do live on air for fear of being removed or getting a very large fine. They're the stories from around the world this week that fall into a category laden with sexuality and innuendo. If your mother is of a nervous disposition, she needs to be removed. If there's minors in the room, you have been warned. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? I have China says, please stop hiring funeral strippers. Please stop Please. hiring. Please. I'm pleading <laughs> with you. Stop hiring those funeral strippers. Darn those strippers. In China, friends and family of deceased may have to do without a special form of funeral entertainment. Don't worry. Strippers. Auntie Joan will do it for you. Oh, Give her a few God. bobs. She'll be up there dancing with mm -mm. her bloomers down. According to a statement from the Ministry of Culture on Thursday, the government plans to work closely with the police to eliminate such performances which are held with the goal of drawing more mourners. That's a rough crowd, though, isn't it? That's a tough... Surely being a funeral stripper, that's a tough crowd. <laughs> Since when do you bring dollar bills to a funeral? I'm thinking... <laughs> that's like doing stand-up comedy. That's the That's got to be a poor crowd to do that. Ugh. There's people crying and weeping and... And children. And you're up there in a thong. Yes. Okay. Yes, you are. Actually, thong's her name. <laughs> oh, no. Pictures of a funeral in the city of Handan in the northern Hebei province 
province last month showed a dancer removing her bra Bang. as assembled parents and children watched. This is um. the universal sound of a bra being removed. Bang. Great. Bang. Oh, no. <laughs> Bang. The government has been trying to fight the country's funeral stripper scourge for some time now. In 2006, the state-run broadcaster, China Central Television's leading investigative news show, Why Dine Fang Tan, aired an expose on the practice of scantily clad women making appearances at memorial services in Donghai in eastern China's Jiangsu province. Oh my, this points to be had just for that. <laughs> I can't say I pronounced it right, but I did try. When you say, <laughs> do you know the cliche, the saying, I'm going to dance on your grave? Yep. Yep. Now I'm dancing next to your dead body. The point of inviting strippers, some of whom performed with snakes, mm, exotic, was to attract large crowds to the deceased funeral. The thing is, she didn't arrive with the snake. (laughs) Oh, no. Seen as a harbinger of good fortune in the afterlife, it's... Oh, this is so terrible. It's to give them face. (laughs) One villager explains. Otherwise, no one would... Turn up. Oh, <laughs> so they get a stripper because no one's going to turn up otherwise. Right. To be fair. <laughs> You'd go? I'd go. I would. <laughs> I want to go. I want to be on my deathbed knowing that I'd seen a stripper at a funeral. Just once. <laughs> just so I could tell my friends. Do you know what? Once I went to a funeral and I saw a stripper. Excellent. <laughs> God. That's terrible. And they have to bring them along so people turn up. That's right. That's shocking. It is shocking. What's wrong with a ventriloquist act? I'm not going back in the box. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, no. That's a joy, isn't it? I have a story that says designer dildo contains loved ones' cremated ashes. It's oh, a sex God. toy that someone, maybe you, will be dying to use. Dutch designer Mark Stuckenboom has just created a sex toy that includes a mini urn to hold the cremated remains of that special someone. I know that name, and we've done a story with Mr. Stuckenboom before. Mr. Stuckenboom. Yes. What did he do last time? I don't remember. It was probably something morbid. Thank you for stopping my story. I just liked his name, Stuckenboom. Mark Stuckenboom. (laughs) It's great, isn't it? The erotically shaped urn is part of 21 grams, a memory box devised by Stuckenboom to help grieving people feel the presence of their loved ones. The title refers to the purported weight of the human soul, based on now discredited study by Dr. Douglas McDougall, an early 20th century physician who weighed patients before and after death to see if there was any change in weight. Besides the death-orientated dildo, I never thought, in the history of my broadcasting career, I'd ever say a sentence that said, besides the death-orientated dildo. I just thought I'd share that with you. We are breaking <laughs> new ground. Stuckenboom's memory box comes with a perfume diffuser that can hold the departed signature scent and an iPod amplifier so the bereaved can play songs that remind them of the deceased. So you can have the smell of onions and the distant sound of pour some sugar on me playing in the background. Oh, God. (laughs) Mind you of your prom date, right? The box can also hold other keepsakes related to the dead loved one and comes with a brass key that can be worn as a pendant. 
Stickenboom said an elderly neighbour inspired him to create the memory box. I sometimes help an elderly lady with her groceries, and she has an urn standing near the window with the remains of her husband, he said. In that same period, I read an article about widows, taboos and sex and intimacy, and then I thought to myself, can I combine these themes and make an object that is about love and missing intimacy? Stickenboom hasn't officially marketed the boxes yet, he also hopes that people focus on the reasoning behind the concepts and not the sex aspect. The only issue I see with this is that your deceased loved one might end up in places less favourable. Now, do they take a mould? I don't believe so. I think, and I've not seen the photographs, that there's a little box inside the device that you can then place things inside is where we are. I'm Imagine a torpedo mm. where you can access things inside of it, like it's a little door with a key and you can put things inside. So you're stuffing the thing? Yes, you're stuffing it. With lots of stuff. Whatever you want to put in there. An urn was suggested, deceased loved one's parts, yes. Inside the thing? Inside, yes. This is where uh. we are. And it never sees the light of day. See where we're going with that? Oh. Oh, Kim! <laughs> I've lost Heather. She's gone. She's getting her checkbook out. Look, it was a smell of onions that did it, wasn't it? Always attractive. Mm. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Swedish health minister, loud sex is healthy. Loud sex is Leave healthy. Leave it to the Swedes. Nobody's mm. keeping you up at night and you're next door. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe you want to be kept up all night. This took place in IKEA, by the way. He's been arrested. This happened in the bedroom department of IKEA. No. We are headed to Stockholm. There. Loud sex is better for human health than no sex. So if the neighbors are at it again, just grin and bear it. Sweden's health minister said this on Twitter. Oh. One man, fed up with his neighbor's wild and noisy romps, sent a tweet directly to health minister Gabrielle Wickstrom asking for help Wednesday. My Wednesday? Name. Yes. He asked for help specifically on Wednesday. That's what it says. On that hump what, day? That's hump day. <laughs> <laughs> he should have left them alone. My neighbors are once again having noisy sex. You're my only hope. Could you ban that was risque <laughs> exercises after 10 p.m.? This is not the sex you're looking for. <laughs> Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. <laughs> Hand solo. <laughs> Do it loudly. <laughs> the reply he received was likely not what he expected. Sounds nice for them, I think, Wickstrom tweeted back. Good for their well-being and thus public health as well. Most apartment blocks in Sweden don't allow tenants to conduct loud activities <laughs> after 10 p.m. <laughs> like vacuuming, cleaning, or drilling. But loud sex... Chris, what are they, what are they getting up to? Okay. <laughs> what kind of shenanigans is taking Wait a place? Minute. Vacuuming, vacuuming and drilling. And drilling. Um. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go and just run the vacuum round, sweetheart. <laughs> I wanted to reply in a funny way, Wickstrom told the BBC after his tweet went viral. Sex is a political matter as well. We often discuss sex in negative terms, like, for example, we relate it to rape, we relate it to sexual abuse, but not to the positive thing that sex really is. I think we should really start to talk about sex as something positive. I think Swedes should have all the sex they want to have, Wickstrom went on. Many Swedes feel they don't have as much sex as they want to because of stress and work-related problems. I call that worrying. Wow. I'm Who worried. Knew? Makes you want to go to Sweden, doesn't it? 
I'm Heather. part Swedish. Yes, you're also part German. I know. <laughs> that got ruined, didn't it? I know. Okay, you have the last story of the evening. What have you got for us? Has it got a willy in it? No, but it's got one of my other favorite subjects. <laughs> McDonald's. What? <laughs> Dairy Queen. What? <laughs> Let's just throw out some random fast food chains and see what happens. A new nightclub in Manchester has been condemned as distasteful and discriminatory. Grim- and what? Discriminatory. Okay, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> for uh, Well, I'm so distracted by the story, you have no idea. That's because it comes with pictures. No, for offering a free dwarf with every VIP <laughs> table booking. <laughs> oh, <God>. Where <laughs> are free, you, bad boy Brian? <laughs> a free dwarf. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Closet, which is a nightclub on the Oxford Club on Central Street in Manchester, is holding its first Wonderland event on Thursday. One of the packages available to book is the 850-pound The Ballers booth, which includes entry for 15 people, a bottle of champagne, four bottles of vodka, and mixers, and... A free midget. Free midget. Yes. The Tweedledee or Tweedledum character will wait on the table and dance on demand, according to organizers. Well, that's not demeaning, <laughs> is it? Wow. Other packages available at the nightclub, which organizers claim will leave you with question marks hanging over your head, include the Cheapskates booth at only 350 pounds and the Wannabes booth at 550 pounds. The club, which is also selling general admission outside of the VIP packages, is already sold out of the £6.50 early bird tickets and is now selling advance tickets for £8 for the event, which will last from 10 p.m. until 5 a.m. You have to buy the VIP ticket to get the midget, though, I'm guessing. Yeah. That's terrible. How much is £850? I wanted to do it. That's about $1,200. Oh, I'm going to need some co-funding. Yes, and you're going to need the (laughs) airfare. Many, many years ago when I was in Britain, I accidentally drove my car and T-boned another car. It's the only accident I've ever had. It jumped out in front of you. It jumped out in front of me. And lo and behold, a midget was in that car. And he came out of the car and he was shaking his fist at me and he said, I'm not happy. And I said, well, which one are you then? And then a fight ensued. (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was funny. And you lost. I did lose. Because he was hitting below the belt. He was. He was kicking me in the leg like you were. Well, all good things come to an end. <laughs> so let us look at tonight's scores. Damn you for being interesting and entertaining. In last place with a K2 meter with a dead battery tonight is Heather, who scored a remarkable minus five. But was entertaining. <laughs> Well, that remains to be seen. I can't believe Greg's got three points. Who knew such things? Have you ever in the history of this show ever scored three points, Greg? No. Remarkable. That did get you a third place finish. Every splendid first place with the $33,000 IR camera is Kim, who admitted to being scared at watching the blob in 19... You didn't watch it in 1957. You saw the film... I, just I hope to, I wasn't watching I just, it in 57. I just no. want to clarify that. This was on the TV and not at yes. the cinema 
at the time. <laughs> Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. You can also follow my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And remember, we have archives available on soundcloud.com. If you type in and search for MQTA radio, we're about to do an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show called Not For Your Mother. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Chaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society and Paranormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. Mm-hmm.